everyone, and welcome to a very special post-game aftershock. You can see there's still a lot going on behind me at BC Place. Jamin Moore at BC Place, live where the Earthquakes and the Vancouver Whitecaps draw 3-3 in a game where both sides could potentially have claimed victory. I am joined by uh, a good man, Ben Rigetti, who I have been on his show before. The 90-plus podcast covers uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Ben, how are you doing? Welcome to the Aftershock. I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's nice to kind of flip the roles a little bit and, you know, me come over to the San Jose territory. I hope you're keeping my seat warm. It's the one, you know, I haven't made it out to too many games this year. So you're, you're carrying the 90 plus flag. At least you are represented today, but I'm doing well, Jamin. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we've had a lot of, uh, of things going on with the Quakes Epicenter staff this weekend and the four o'clock game kind of made it difficult for us to put a full crew together. But Carlos Eustis from Telemundo has told me that he will join us following the Quakes press conference. He first has to do a TV spot, and uh, after the Quakes press conference, he will be joining us as well. So, Ben, let me uh, kick it over to you because, you know, in the first half, it felt like the earthquakes had kind of set the tempo in a way where Vancouver was having to deal with what they were throwing. Now, neither side, you know, had a real huge advantage in the expected goals but you know the quakes had about two-thirds of the possession and probably felt like the protagonists and then completely against the run of play lucas cavallini happens el tanque i mean he he really is a special talent and i feel like he really kind of showcased his skills today you know uh what did you think as soon as you saw that opening goal from luke from lucas uh I mean, first off, I'm just looking at the comments here. Martin Moss, thank you. England will be the world champions. I've seen your comments. I love this. I love this whole live setup. Um, Lucas Cavallini is such an interesting subject right now, hanging around the Vancouver Whitecaps organization. A lot of people are talking about his role with the Canadian national team. You know, he's gone from kind of the first striker off the bench to going to, you know, is his team, is he going to even be on the plane going to Qatar in November? So there's a lot of interesting uh, takes going around Lucas Cavallini, but he put them, a lot of them, maybe not to bed, but at least away for a few days following today's performance. He had a good showing in midweek. The Whitecaps played Fowler FC of the Canadian uh, Premier League and the Canadian Championship. And, you know, he didn't get a goal and he was frustrated because it was one of those games where I think if maybe there are a few different bounces, then maybe it could have landed his way. And he's just looking for some confidence right now. He's, you know, ever since Mark DeSantos left, it was always kind of a little bit rocky, even when Mark DeSantos was here up until about two-thirds of the way through last season. And he just never quite found his legs. And that's just something that's really haunted the Whitecaps at times. You've got your big $5 million DP striker struggling to put up more than four or five league goals a season. So, you know, any and a performance like that, even if he didn't grab his goal, it definitely would have been a long way to boost his confidence. The physicality, the play off the ball, making more and more runs off the ball, that's more what the Whitecaps are paying all that money for. And if the Whitecaps can get more out of what they got today, I think they'll be very, very happy in the long run. And almost got the winner at the very end. That ball nearly... Uh, snuck inside the post. I had a decent angle on that, and boy, that looked pretty close in the moment. Uh, but the Quakes come roaring back. They decided to substitute uh, Cavello, Alex Cavello, the interim coach, substituted Eric Rometty quickly for Jan Gregush, and that had two effects. 
one, it made the Quakes much more attacking and it paid off very quickly in getting them back in the game. Uh, and also it kind of opened up the ability for Vancouver to also be able to transition and the game just basically turned into a, to a track meet, Ben. Um, I think one of the things that from, for, from a Quakes perspective that I would say went well today is uh, some of the transition play uh, is starting to come back again. Um, Kate Cowell, Christian Espinoza, and Jeremy Abobasi in the second half were just up and down. Some of it was good, some of it was bad, but they connected uh, together uh, really to, to make this into a game that Quakes fans, and I would say myself even, you know, feel like they probably should have walked away with three points, at least once they got back into the game. It looked like they might have it in hand, but this went back and forth quite a bit in the second half. From a Vancouver perspective, you know, what what did you like and what is it that you were like, oh, crap, you know, you know, here the quakes go again when you saw yeah. it in the second half with some of that pace up top. The three at the back system is something that Vanny Sotini has tried to implement since day one that when he got the when he became the interim head coach last year, when he got the official title as head coach during the off season, it's just something that he's really, really, you know, put his neck out there and tried to make happen for this Vancouver Whitecaps team. Mark DeSantos tried it in his tenure and it didn't quite work out. Then he brought in one or two more defensive pieces, moved some players around, some wing backs into center back roles. And it worked at times, but then you think as well, you know, at, it's a very tricky subject. It's very touchy as well because a lot of people were excited a few about two weeks ago when Danny said, you know what, the three at the back isn't working. Let's go to four at the back. Since then, they picked up a 1-0 win over Toronto, a 2-0 win against Valor, 0-0 for about 50-odd minutes today against San Jose. And, you know, once they went 1-0 down, Danny kind of reverted to uh, something that he knew and trusted in himself was that three at the back. And once you go to that three at the back, you see instantly the track meet that you were talking about open up a lot more. You get two goals conceded in about 12 minutes or so. You're getting, you know, a lot more opportunities going forward, which is obviously great when you're chasing a game. But when it's level pegging or you're trying to establish just some momentum going your way and you're that exposed at the back with a team that struggled as much as the Whitecaps have with a three at the back system, it's asking for trouble. And, you know, that San Ebobasi uh, has just been on great form all year for San Jose. He got two goals today and, you know, very well deserved. And that, you know, uh, pass and or low cross, whatever you want to call it, from Cade Cowell on that third goal, inch perfect. And that's what leaves you so uh, uh, at risk of when you're playing three at the back. Yeah, absolutely. And, um you know, the Quakes, again, kind of taking advantage of transition opportunities. What I really liked, I want to go back to the first half because, look, we could just talk about the track meet that was the second <laughs> half. And, you know, it's going to, to drive analytical people like myself and I'm sure analytical team for the Earthquakes crazy to try to figure out kind of how the game changed. But in the first half, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and uh, I'd like to get your take on it again from the Vancouver perspective after I lay out the scenario here was that by going with that 4-2-2-2, what it created was a 4-4-2 in defense for Vancouver. One of the things I pointed out on Twitter and also in our patron Slack was how kind of high and somewhat compressed that line was. Jackson Yule found himself in the middle of the pitch all by himself, surrounded by six Vancouver players at one point. 
but kind of as you know can happen you know in this sport um, when you take away one advantage something else can open up and at, at some point about midway through the first half I think the Quakes kind of figured out the magic of how to move the ball and how to move the BWC defense in order to open up uh, switching the ball across to Paul Marie and every time it looked like Paul Marie got the ball on the sidelines near uh, the middle of the pitch he was actually going to start pushing the ball forward and I felt that's when the Quakes were able to really kind of get some control of the game in the first half. But that early pressure looked really difficult for the Quakes to play through. So I have to imagine from a VWC perspective, you were like, oh, this looks pretty good. I like what I'm seeing here. And then all of a sudden, uh oh, the Quakes figured out, you know, how to unlock it. Like, how do you how do you take kind of all that and uh, and analyze it from your perspective? I think a big not necessarily a turning point, but something just of note that definitely affected the Vancouver Whitecaps, especially in the midfield, was Russell Tybert picking up that yellow card around the 30-minute mark. I can't remember who the earthquake player was, but the elbow going up that way, it didn't look that bad on the broadcast, but when they showed the replay and slowed it down, you know, you can kind of see the referee's reasoning for that. I think the broadcasters as well, Paul Dolan, was kind of, every time they showed a replay, it was like, oh, maybe, then it's yes, and it's, oh, yeah, that's the card. Um, so I think when you've got a midfield pairing of Russell Tybert and Sebastian Berhalter, who neither of which are, you know, very defensive-minded, that's not really a strong suit of their game. Russell Tybert's that very box-to-box. Sebastian Berhalter compliments him well, kind of floating about, finding the space. And that was the same role that Michael Baldissimo played when he came on in the second half for Tybert. And Tybert probably doing a little bit more of the defensive workload. So all of a sudden you see your more defensive-based midfielder going down to a yellow card. You've got to start walking on eggshells, and you could really see how that uh, changed the Whitecaps' perspective. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, following the Quakes' 3-3 draw with Vancouver, we are joined by interim head coach Alex Cabello. Let's go ahead and jump right into questions with Jamin Moore. Actually, it doesn't, doesn't look like Jamin's with us. Uh, Carlos Hustis? All right, Alex, why don't you start by giving Hi, guys, how are you doing? Uh, this is uh, Max Cordaro from Telemundo. Carlos, now it's live on segment. Uh, I don't know if for the, the Spanish question, do you, you, you want to wait or we can start right away with me? Um, let's, let's start in English and I'll come back to you. Okay, perfect. Thank, Thank you. Um, Alex Morgan, do you have a question? Yes. Uh, Thank you, Jay. Alex, uh, thank you for joining us today. It's, it's good to speak to you. Uh, you know, what do you think were the deciding factors in today's game? Uh, you know, obviously you had three good uh, counterattacking goals. It felt like the transitions were good, but then uh, allowing three goals and maybe some sloppy defending. Um, um, what do you make of this draw? Well, first of all, one point on... On road is always a, is a point, no? um, something positive that we can uh, bring home. In relation with the game, I think that you're right. We we create a very good um, three goals in transition. We were talking about that in the in the halftime that we were we had to be more aggressive once we recover the ball to go forward, but without lose our composure. I think that in the first half we have 
we had a lot of control of the game. Even we create some chances. Uh, a couple, I think, it was a good save from the goalie too. Um, and when we start the second half, step by step, we start to lose a little bit that balance um, in between our our lines that uh, create more space for them and, and, and more more opportunities for them in transition too. And obviously, the the third goal is a set piece. Thank you, Alex. Let's go to Jamin Moore. Hi, Alex. Looked like uh, from this game, thanks for joining us, by the way, and uh, I guess congratulations on, on the point. Um, it looked like uh, that maybe in the second half that uh, there were some tired effects maybe from the, uh, from the uh, earlier in the week and having to play 120 minutes. The game turned into a pretty fast up and down game. Um, you know, you made some some substitutions there to try to, I think, bring some energy toward the end. Uh, you know, in hindsight, uh, did you make the right moves in those situations? You know, did you feel that uh, you got what you were looking for out of those substitutions, particularly maybe subbing Eric Rometty, you know, early for uh, Jan Gregush? Thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, Jamon, um, basically, it's because uh, Eric was doing a great first half, uh, but was getting tired. And we talked in the look, uh, in the look room, and uh, we decided to bring fresh legs. Um, and in relation with the rest of the substitutions, obviously, too, um, Jeremy had a little bit pain in his uh, Achilles tendon. So we decided to, to rest a little bit him and, and uh, Kate Cowell. Thank you, Alec. Let's go back to Alex Morgan. Hi, Alex. Thanks for taking another question. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the performance from Christian Espinosa tonight? He was a guy who maybe over the last uh, year and a half uh, hadn't been able to get on the score sheet or get as many assists as he had previously. But uh, in the last maybe month or so, especially since you took over as head coach, it, it, it feels like he's been able to, uh, to have a lot more impact on the field. What do you think are the reasons that he's been able to be more successful in these last few games? Well, I mean, as a coaches, we try to put the, the players in the in the spaces and positions that we think they are going to perform well. I think that Christian always had a, a good mentality with us, and I think before in the past too. Um, and sometimes you are you have a dynamics that helps you to feel much better, and other ones, uh, other time, in another moments you. You feel a little bit more uh, shy, but I think that Christian is working very well every day in the game. He's trying to do what we are asking for, and uh, I mean, I think he's uh, he's been good. He's been great. I cannot tell you why now his performance his performance is better. I think I, I saw him always the last years, and his mentality was always good. Thank you, Alex. We're going to take two more in English, starting with uh, this question from Fabian Renkel. He asks, uh, Jeremy Abobasi is now tied for the MLS Golden Boot. What are your thoughts on his season so far? And do you believe he can keep up this production? Can you ask me again? Sure. Jeremy Abobasi is now tied for the league lead with mm -hmm. seven goals. Mm -hmm. What do you think of his season so far? And do you think he can continue playing this well? Well, I think that Jeremy is a player that um, he, he tries to help us in build up. He's trying to arrive to the box. Uh, he has a very good feed. Um, he has gold. And today, he helped us a lot. He helped us a lot. 
he's try and every game eh, that he plays uh, for us offensively and defensively. Obviously, when you are a striker, a nine as a nine, you have to be in, in those spaces. Sometimes the ball arrives, sometimes not. But then, and this big with the dynamics, no. And Jeremy now it's, it's been it's been good. I'm so happy for him. Thank you, Alex. Final question in English comes from Jamin Moore. Thank you for taking another one, uh, Alex. Um, so in the second half, we got to see, I think, the uh, the team show a bit more transition ability. They have a lot of pace, but sometimes it feels that there's a lot of possession without sometimes a lot of danger. And it seemed like when the team was able to get out and run, they were very dangerous and scored those transition goals. Is that something that you think the team can do more of and take better advantage of situations in uh, transition more? Thanks. Yes, I think that uh, we always try to send the message that when we recover the ball uh, with a good pressing um, in that part of the field, try to go forward because uh, you have um, you are powerful with uh, Kay, with Christian. We can attack faster. We have quality to do it. But as, at the same time, you have to do good balance. Obviously, the first half was different because um, Vancouver was in that kind of medium blow. We were able to advance, but uh, we missed a little bit that. Uh, passing between that uh, between lines that allow us to to find the final pass, you know. So, uh, in general, the first half was good. As I said, I think I think that it was under control and even even not attacking uh, a lot, you know. And maybe it's more attractive for the for the public. I think that we create certain certain chances, but the transition part we touched in the half time. We needed to do better and we did we scored three goals thank you alex we're going to switch over to the spanish portion now and uh open up questions to telemundo okay guys uh it's still max because carlos it's uh still live uh well uh, i'm going to do the question uh professor un gusto por acá maximiliano cordaro estoy entrando a telemundo deportes y atenderé el placer de de conocerlo próximamente en persona eh, vimos un segundo tiempo donde además de, de la capacidad de reacción se vio un equipo más intenso, más directo y sobre todo con pegada. ¿Sientes que, que estos son elementos que te dan la tranquilidad para pensar que poco a poco estás encontrando el equipo que buscas en base a tu idea? Sí, creo que el equilibrio entre cuándo ser eh, agresivo en transición y, y, y a la vez poder controlar el, el partido son claves. Porque si solamente te vas en las transiciones, muchas veces también quedas desequilibrado atrás. Y, y en la segunda parte nos ha pasado alguna vez, en eh, varias. Entonces eh, hay que encontrar ese equilibrio de tener control del juego y, y sacar partido de, de cuando presionas bien y hacia arriba en las transiciones agresivas. Porque tenemos las, los jugadores y la capacidad para hacerlo. Una más, profesor. Si bien la, la pelota detenida es un elemento muy presente en el fútbol y que resuelve muchos partidos y el 3 a 3 eh, llega de esa manera, eh, ¿cómo sintió que fue el funcionamiento defensivo del equipo cuando eh, se logró estar arriba en el marcador, en, en el manejo, sobre todo sin la pelota? ¿Pero en las set pieces o me hablas defensivo sin la pelota en general en el juego? Eh, defensivamente sin la pelota cuando estu cuando estuvieron adelante en el en el marcador en el segundo tiempo creo que ahí empezamos a bajar un poquito eh, y el equipo se empezó a partir y queríamos ir para adelante pero a la vez generábamos espacios porque la línea nuestra está un poquito más atrás y, y, y 
eso en, en un momento concreto generó espacios que Vancouver supo, supo aprovechar en ese sentido. Entonces, eh, creo que, que ser más consistente en lo que tenemos en lo que tenemos que hacer durante 90 minutos eh, y trabajar en ello nos va a ayudar. Y luego en las set pieces, pues eh, allí hubo un par de, de situaciones donde eh, perdimos el, el, la posición o, o, o la marca y ese balón entró ahí atrás en el segundo. Gracias, profesor, y un gusto nuevamente. Igualmente. Ok, thank you very much, Alex. Okay, let's get back here. Uh, I had to switch back and forth today. Things are a little bit different. But uh, Ben, uh, I hope you got, were able to hear Alex Cavella okay there. Were you able to hear? Yep. Excellent. So um, he, uh, my second question there, I talked about the substitution with Eric Rometty, and uh, you're probably aware the Earthquakes um, played a, uh, an excellent uh, match where they came out uh, in the Open Cup against the Seattle Sounders on the road at yep. Fire in Seattle this week. And, uh, you know, Eric Rometty went 120 plus minutes in that game. And it seemed like Alex Cabello at halftime decided that he wasn't going to play him very deep into the second half. And uh, just as we kind of suspected, you know, the price to pay for beating the Sounders in the Open Cup a bit was to, you know, you're going to have to sub off a, a, a defender uh, today and, uh, and, tr and put an attacker on and, and get back in the game. But that had its own you know, implications um, and uh, really did kind of open the game up. But what did you take from uh, hearing from Alex Cavallo uh, today? Your first time, I, I'm sure, getting to hear the new <laughs> Yeah, no, it was interesting. And, you know, uh, there was a few questions in there talking about that transition. I can't remember if it was yourself, Jamin, or someone else in the San Jose media, just talking about, you know, looking to build on on those sort of counterattack, fast break chances, and I'd kind of not clear the clear the slate a little bit, but this isn't a typical Vancouver performance on on defense. Typically, when we get beaten, we like to get broken down and picked apart, and it's ugly for us and it's pretty for the other team. Um, but I think that Kate uh, that third goal, if I'm not mistaken, it was the. Uh, 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 your goalkeeper rolled it out one stretch pass up to Cade Cowell and then all of a sudden you just whip that ball and that's three passes to go about 80 yards to to break through a team and a part of that's you know we you know I'll agree with you tired legs out there definitely making a difference late in the game for good and for bad um but yeah now that whole sort of track meet mentality you know typically Vancouver don't find themselves in that will there'll be close games that we just can't get that final ball through there'll be games where we're thoroughly outplayed and we deserve to lose um I think track meets is something that Vancouver I think for their own safety does a pretty good job of trying to stay clear from um but yeah no it, it was interesting here in the uh the, the whole track meet run up the score sort of uh takes coming out of there Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, there were some fans who uh, in our Slack as well as here who were critical of the substitutions that uh, that he made. Um, but I really didn't feel like he had too many options. Um, as you know, you know, coaches don't often sub out their back line unless they are really pushing up their outside backs and needing to, to substitute in, in those positions uh, because they tire mm -hmm. down a little bit more. 
But, uh, you know, I felt the center backs for this game, uh, you know, between Nathan and Calvo overall did a good job, at least up until the, you know, the 80th minute or so. I felt that uh, that uh, Calvo actually had one of his better games up until that point um, and mm-hmm. uh, cleaned up a lot of situations and, and really didn't uh, get himself a yellow card. Nathan, of course, you know, was a little bit uh, more wild out there tonight. And uh, I think the mm-hmm. fans were really upset about the sliding challenge that he made beside the box in the first half and took a yellow four and maybe reminiscent a little bit of a couple of weeks ago when he uh, took, took a yellow that maybe should have been a red uh, sliding into, uh, you know, a, a Seattle Sounder player. I think it was Raul Rodriguez in the box and took a penalty for um, looks mm-hmm. like right now we are going to go to Jeremy Abobasi. Jeremy Abobasi. Uh Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the match today? Yeah, I think it was a difficult match. Anytime you go away from home, uh, you know you're going to be in for a battle. I think we did a, a solid job to keep the game 0-0 for as long as we did. Obviously something that we struggled with a little bit at times early on in the year, uh, really solidifying that part of our game. And then uh, the reaction to going down was, was excellent. And then uh, as a team, we need to figure out how to uh, manage games from advantageous positions uh, being up to one uh, and ultimately being up three, two, uh, we need to find a way to close games out. We know it's never going to be easy on the road, but ultimately the type of team that we want to be and where we want to be competing at the end of the season, these are the type of results that uh, we hope will go our way in the future with the work that we put in. Thank you, Jabo. Uh, let's go over to Jamin Moore. Hi, Jeremy. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Congratulations on the goal and the point today. Um, you know, we were just talking to Alex Cabello and, uh, you know, he mentioned feeling that he needed to sub off Eric Rometty after, you know, the difficult game against Seattle, uh, asking players to go 120 minutes there in some cases. And then uh, a, a game today where you needed to get back into it. He's the type of player who probably can help close out a game. But, you know, obviously uh, uh, the effects of the previous game, you know, were there. Um, how much do you think the second half became what it was? a bit as a result of some tired legs uh, from the game earlier in the week. Thank you. I think naturally tired legs always are going to play a factor into uh, games when you have stretches where you're playing every few games or every few days. But that said, I think it was more of a mental fatigue than it was a physical fatigue because when you look at our guys, we're, we're all capable of uh, putting in the work putting in the distance as long as we're on the field. It's just once you're playing away and teams are riding momentum at home, knowing that they need to score a goal or two to tie or win the game, the onslaught of pressure wears at you mentally, not being able to get out of your own half, uh, which we started to face in the back quarter of the game, I would say. And eventually that, that mental dam breaks and that came in the form of the third goal. And, and we even saw that they had an opportunity, a half chance for a fourth one. So, as I said in my uh, press conference remarks, it's about fortifying that mentality in those last 15 minutes once we've gotten the advantageous positions, whether we're trying to hold a tie in a, in a hostile environment or hold a win like we were today, uh, making sure that we're taking the steps, uh, picking each other up through difficult moments. and allowing the team to reset and, and not get see goals. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, we're going to take a few more. This question comes from Fabian Renkel. He asks, 
How does it feel to be tied for the MLS Golden Boot? And what would it mean if you were to win the award? Uh, the team achievements come first. Uh, the goals today were useful for a tie, but ultimately I, I'm going to win. I've been to an MLS Cup before. Unfortunately, it didn't go my team's way. And, and ever since, it, that's been the plan to get back there. So if, if my goals help get us there, then I'll be super grateful and uh, grateful for the rest of the team who are providing the service for those goals. But ultimately, however uh, we can get to the playoffs and, and make a run, I'm happy to play my role. Thank you. This question comes from Alex Morgan. He asks, um, what do you think of your attacking transitions today as a team and how you're looking to get the ball forward quickly? Uh, I would have to, to watch the game back in order to give the, the proper answer, but I think there are times when maybe we don't go as aggressively as we could, but also there are times when we are able to release some of our wingers, uh, get a ball into myself and lay it off and then releasing someone else. So uh, it's a work in progress, something that with our athleticism up front, as well as our awareness of in-game situation, uh, that we should definitely leverage more. And, and we will. We had a couple chances in the game against Colorado on the counter. We had a couple good spaces that we exploited today. And I expect that we'll become even more dangerous there. Thank you. We're going to take two more, starting with Carlos and Max uh, with Telemundo. Jeremy, how are you? Um, first of all, congrats on the goals. It's still a good achievement, um, regardless of the result. But I was going to say, it has to be bittersweet to to be able to be competing for, for those goals. I mean, the Quicks are one of the teams that scores the most goals, but at the same time, that always makes you a team that when you're playing so high up, you are vulnerable on, on that defensive transition. Why, why do you think it ha you haven't been able to accomplish as a team that compact block so you don't have to suffer so much on those one-on-ones on the transition? I think we have to also pause and reflect on where we are as a team. You know, the transition with different head coaches has been relatively smooth, but ultimately uh, we are continuously adapting, getting up to speed and uh, perfecting the, the nuances and the differences in style of play. And at our at its best, you know, we've seen a clean sheet against Colorado, which is important. Uh, we saw, although a rotated squad, we saw a lot of very solid defensive moments against Seattle as well, even if they ended up getting two goals. It, it didn't come as much from uh, openness, counterattacks, and, and easy chances. So I think there is progress that has been made on that front, and it's something that uh, we will continue to work on. We're not going to absorb pressure and sit back. That's not really the style of this club to, the, to date, if things change and, and they change. But at the moment, uh, we are comfortable within our defensive setup, and we just need to maybe make more aggressive plays whether it's myself pressing from the top, preventing a long ball into an attacking player, or midfielders picking up second balls, or defenders blocking shots. It, it comes down to individuals making plays more than it does to, to our shape, in my opinion, right now. OK, thank you very much, Jeremy. And thank you for being with us today. We will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Okay, so uh, words from Jeremy Abobasi there. Uh, a great game from him. 
you know, Ben, uh, probably a player you've gotten to see, you know, more uh, with the uh, with the Portland Timbers uh, when mm. uh, when Vancouver has faced him in the past. But he's looks he looks like he's finally growing into his own as a San Jose earthquake. And some of that uh, that work between Cade Cowell on the wings and some of that work, uh, you know, with Christian Espinoza feels like it's it's paying off for him personally. Uh, in a way that I'm sure you would like to see the same thing happen for, you know, Brian White and, and Lucas Cavallini. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a really, that front three that you mentioned there, Espinoza, Cal, uh, and Abobasi, there's just, you can just see the potential there. It's not, you know, they're hitting their peak and this is the top, this is the best you're going to get out of them. I've been a big fan of Espinoza for years, you know, putting all my, my journalism and even just my white caps, you know, fandom aside, I, I've loved how he's played. And, you know, I just really think that this is something that San Jose really is something like a, a big project for them going down the line. If it pays off within the next three months, that's great. But if they can make this, you know, continue to grow and continue to develop and learn that chemistry, if all three of them can stay healthy, I think that's going to be a great. And obviously, you know, Wondolowski, you can plot him in anywhere along there as well, just to, just to help out because you've got him at your disposal. But, you know, I, I think that's a front three that is really something that is going to be something that San Jose is looking forward to, that potential to mold these players and how that front three is going to play together. And not just how they play together, but how they gel with the rest of the team as well. Yeah, it, it takes sometimes a game like this to help kind of build that, uh, that uh, you know, camaraderie. Even if you say, like, well, the game was a track meet. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Vancouver play a CanChamp game earlier in the week as well? Yeah. Oh, played, it, played, night, we... played against a CPL team, right? Who did you play? Yeah. Uh, Valor, right in BC place. All right. Finally uh, finally beat a uh, CPL team. I'm sure the uh, yeah. fans are happy about that. One out of three. <laughs> <laughs> one out of three. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so both teams obviously coming through that, and now they're going to go through a stretch of games where there's going to be more CanChamp and Open Cup games. I think the schedule is very similar, actually, so yeah. another end of May. So, And then there are Wednesday games. There's a Wednesday game, I think, this uh, this next week. So, you know, coming to that part of the season where there's a bit of schedule clog here, and I think we're going to find out very quickly the level of depth in some of these teams. And I think from the earthquake side, I'm mostly concerned about the level of depth uh, in the uh, in the central midfield, particularly just right now with Jutes and Hurt. There really isn't anyone else to kind of back up the way that, um, you know, uh, Cavello wants to interpret that defensive midfield. I'll let you answer for VWFC with kind of the stretch <laughs> of games that they're going to face as well. Like, you know, what do you think is what do you think is their biggest weakness uh, having to play two games a week? I think immediately I'm going to kind of hop on that same train as you are and say, you know, injuries, that central midfield role is definitely something that, you know, Russell Tiber club legend, Michael Baldissimo, there's still, you know, there's a lot of weaknesses in his game. Uh, Sebastian Berhalter, you only pay 50 K for him at the start of the season. You can't rely on him week in week out. So, you know, all of a sudden that central midfield spot becomes very, very tricky depending on, which way uh, Zanny Sartini, if he wants to stick with this four at the back, if this four-two-two-two is what he's going to be holding out for. The Whitecaps, they've got Kyle Alessandre returning from injury, hopefully within the next three weeks. They've brought in uh, a deep, their new DP that isn't quite here yet, hopefully within the next few weeks, Andres Cubas, another just sort of box-to-box, hard-working midfielder. So 
there are players on the horizon for Vancouver. It's these net, it's almost, you know, once they get out of this kind of busy three-ish week stretch to end out May here, that's when it seems like the reinforcements are going to be coming in. So it's kind of holding over until you get that burst of energy coming through that midfield. Ryan Gold picked up, not necessarily a knock, but just really needed a rest. He's had a heavy workload to start this season. So as well in that attacking midfield role, Pedro Vite is returning from a concussion. So there's a lot of re- revolving pieces in that central of the park for the Whitecaps that once you get these players back, once you get them gelling together, you have your best 11 available to Sartini, then, you, you know, at least Whitecaps fans are hoping that that's when you can see results start to pay off and the money that they're spending is going to start to pay off in results. Well, as everyone can see, Carlos Eustace making his triumphant return to the Aftershock and the first time in the live format. I really appreciate you. I mean, you you were on Telemundo, live on television, and uh, decided to come join the Aftershock. Uh, we appreciate, uh, appreciate it, Carlos. Uh, you know, this game was uh, quite an interesting game. Uh, and as I try to tell the fans in, in the Slack, you know, this is going to be a two different types of halves game, and it turned out into exactly that. Um, give us your take, first and second half, kind of what you were uh, – you were seeing out there and let's talk a little bit about the depth of this team because they are going to have to go through a stretch here where they're going to play a couple games a week. And I think this week showed that there's a reason to be somewhat concerned about that depth. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think you and I talked about it a little bit um, before and, and it's something that uh, not necessarily, I always talked about it even when, when I was called (laughs) Matias Almeida apologies that, I feel that there's a structure to this team, especially in depth, that it, it's hard it's hard to maintain because in order to play so often, because how the league requires you to do it, you need to have somewhat of a good balance uh, in between whoever's the starters and, and whoever's are, are are the subs. And sometimes you don't get that, especially here. I feel like there's um there's a very you know marked difference between whoever's the starters and then the next guy down. And and you see it on on the balance on how on defensive transition they suffer today, right? Um, they start very well. They have a lot of possession. I think one of the things that that uh, Alex Covello has brought as a coach is to try to avoid those high pressures. He pressures a little bit behind, and that allows the team to be a little more organized, especially in defense. And from there, they can recover the ball. And the Quakes have the pieces to distribute, to find the space. They have the speed with Christian. They have the speed with Kate on the other side. Jeremy is in a, is a, is a great place. And then the only, the only thing is once they start feeling comfortable and they're pushing forward because they don't see that goal coming after that overwhelming possession difference, then the counterattacks start happening and, and they kind of breaks down. And that's not, that's not something that only happens to the Sango Quicks. I feel that that's something of a problem in the MLS in general, that, that defensive transition, especially with the center backs kind of like dragging themselves in, into positions that are usually not supposed to go or, or, or the game makes them go to. Uh, especially how the midfield breaks. And that's what happened. Um, to me, the only thing is uh, in dead ball situations, you're in the last minute. That's more of a mental mistake than any like tactical or, or technical thing. And, and unfortunately, that brings a draw today. Carlos, let me stick with you for a second because I want to come back to the the uh, the question. It's been raised in the, in the Slack. It's been raised uh, a bit here as well in terms of defensive substitutions. Uh, Eric Rometty came off. We heard the reason for that from Alex Cabello you know, earlier, and that's really when the game kind of got very up and down, was uh, he's one of those kinds of people that I think, you know, I've been quite critical of him in the past, but he really seems to have found an, a niche in that uh, that number six, uh, single number six, 
for Cavello. And when you have a lead, he is that kind of player that can help you kind of in a CONCACAFI type of way sometimes close out games. When he's off the pitch without Judson, this team doesn't have that type of closer. Now, some people have suggested things like, well, can uh, Francisco Calvo step up into a six and then have a Tanner Beeson, you know, play in the back line, someone who can help kind of calm things down in the transitions. What do you see as a potential uh, alternative without Judson for this team in terms of being able to control these games if Eric Rometty is not going to be able to go 90 minutes every single uh, time out in this kind of uh, clogged part of the schedule? It's hard because I don't feel anybody else has the characteristics of Judson and Remedy, and they kind of take that position, right? Um, most of the time, the Iroquois have been playing with those that triangle, right, and in the middle with one lagging six or one defensive midfielder that just stays as a center defensive midfielder and kind of controls that, that tempo, and he helps a lot when you have those transitions because he becomes like an extra center back. So it, there's kind of an idea, of, of, there's kind of a, a reasoning that it's well, well done in the sense of bringing Calvo into that position. I don't know if he's done it before. And for example, I see that said that uh, Skahan can step in that. The, the thing is that none of the, I feel that like none of the players, and you see what's happened with Jackson Jewell when he was actually asked to play in that position, they don't have the defensive cap capabilities for those things. It's a very specific shield, the one that you need to have in that position to control the tempo, to make the fouls when you have to foul somebody in, in if they're on transition. And unfortunately, with Jutson out, you don't have that many players with that cut. And, and that's something that it's also kind of the unbalance on how the roster has been built from the beginning. And I mean, again, you can't control the, the injuries coming in specific positions at a specific time. And sometimes like that also things throw, you know, throws things out, out of out of whack. But it, it's hard to, con I, I will, if it was me, and again, I'm not coaching, but if it was me, I would probably switch to try to have more players into that position and kind of give up a little bit of and see that little bit behind. But I, I just asked Jeremy uh, Ebovis about it because uh, I was telling like, why are you still suffering from those things? However, he said that there's not going to be a team that pushes back and there's not going to be a team that sits back. And and sometimes you, you got to play. We saw it. Manchester City did it against Atletico Madrid. So there's no shame in sometimes, you know, you're winning 3-2. There's two minutes left. Just hold on onto the back and, and take out the result. It's, it's a three important points that you take away on an away field. And, and that counts a lot. I'll put the question to both of you. Let me start with you, Carlos. As a former professional player, uh, the substitutions that Cavello decided to make at the end, those guys were going about to come in the game anyway, turned out that it was going to be on a corner kick. If you, it was you, would you have held those substitutions until after the corner? Do you think that the substitution created some disorganization in terms of covering the corner? And uh, Ben, after he answers, I'll turn the same question over to you. I mean... When when you talk about those things, because it's, it's one of those things where I'm I've been trying to step away as as I've been learning about coaching more professionally, and I've been trying to step away from the say, saying they made a mistake and more like it didn't work out, um, because if it works out, then you say, oh, what a genius move! Like he throws out, of, like he he threw them out of wag, and then they came in, they marked their player, and it and it worked out. And if it doesn't, then you're like, oh, he made a mistake. And after the fact, it's really easy to say that. So to me, it's I personally think that when you're in that set piece, it, it's hard to make it. But if the players that are coming out are also very gassed and, and we talk about how you have games that are in front of you and there's a big, you know, a big, a big step of that. And then there's there's this time that you feel tired. Sometimes you got to come in because it's better to have that player that is fresh than having somebody who's who's not fresh. So, you know, at the end, it didn't work out and, and that's it. 
So uh, let's start moving toward final comments here. But before we go on, Ben, I want to give you a chance also to answer that because let's say the shoe was on the other foot and you saw that kind of substitution in that situation and then a goal come. You know, how critical do you uh, would you potentially be in that situation? Or do you say, you know what, I agree with Carlos. It's It's a little bit of chance there. I agree with Carlos to an extent, and obviously in my non-professional playing days, it doesn't carry the same weight as Carlos's does. Um, but, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, you've got players coming on and off, you know, from the side, you may be switching your, your mark or whatever it is. You're loading players into the defensive box. There's, what was it, the 89th minute or whatever the, the time was uh, that the goal went in. So there's the part of me that thinks, you know what, if you leave it, I think everyone sticks with their man and it's all fine. But then I also kind of flip it around the other way that if that goal doesn't go in, you know, no one's batting an eye. If that gets cleared off the line or if one of the earthquakes, you know, wins a header, no one's going to be talking about, oh, that was so risky that, you know, what what is he doing here? That shouldn't be happening. You know, so I, I think that the result and the fact that it was so late in the game to, you know, claw back and get that point, I think that magnified everything. And when you put anything under a microscope, you're going to easily pick apart some flaws into, you know, anything that's going on in the game. So I do think when it's all said and done that maybe, you know, waiting 30 seconds or whatever would have been fine. But I don't think, you know, that substitution caused the goal at that time. So some final thoughts here. And again, Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time once you got jumped off the air. I mean, the suit, you really classed up the joint today. We really appreciate it. I hope you have enjoyed the love from the fans uh, over here in the chat as well. Uh, you know, what do you take 3-3? You get a point on the road in Vancouver. And let's be honest, and no offense, Ben, but even when Vancouver's not had the greatest of teams, the Quakes have always struggled to come up to BC Place and get a point. Do you look at it as, hey, we got a point in Vancouver, regardless of what the perceived quality of the team is, it's always hard to come into this place and get a point on this turf and in this environment. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you always need to, you, you, I'm the kind of person that always looks at things at, at a glass cup full. So the fact that you're able to score three goals against a team that was holding back, that was so solid defensively for, for a long period of the time, it means a lot. The fact that you have the, the weapons and, and the capability to have those offensive transitions when you you see the last the, the last goal, I think it's a beautiful combination between Cade, Espinosa, and then Jeremy to, to put the third goal. That's that's a glass half full. The, you have the capability, you have the players to be offensive and, and to make it well. And then at the same time, you need to take yourself down and say, why are we why are mistakes? Why are we still not doing well? And and think about those, you know, we're not good in transition, we're we're breaking up, we're making the team too long. We don't have the center backs coming back in when they when they have to be. The second goal. Calvo got a little desperate, and I feel like if he had held the line, that could have been an offside, but he decides to run behind uh, Marcikowski, and that actually allows the goal to happen. So a lot of those things are still details that, that need to be ironed out. And it's hard because Alex comes first as an interim coach with not a lot of experience in first division, and then he's only been there for five games, but he's had very good results regardless. So I think in, 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 in the big scheme of things, the fact that you got to such a difficult place um, with the conditions, with the pitch and, and everything, and you get even a point, it, it's still good in, in for the San Jose And Ben, uh, you know, help me out here. Uh, from a Vancouver perspective, do you <laughs> see this as two points dropped? Do you see it as, hey, we needed a point and we got a point? Like, what's the kind of takeaway here? And where do you think yeah. the Whitecaps need to go from here for your final thoughts? 
I'm going to fall somewhere in between. If anything, I'd lean more towards its two points dropped. You know, it was a very difficult start to the season for Vancouver. They were away in Columbus. They faced New York City, LAFC, Sporting Kansas City, uh, Austin as well. So it was a very difficult opening five, six games for Vancouver. So they've got this stretch here of Toronto. And again, no no offense uh, going your way, but you've got a weaker opponent when you think, look at everything considered in San Jose. Um, you know, you, you've got a couple of chances to pick up three points. And, you know, at this point in the season, your last place in the league, you've been so doing so well at home. Uh, coming into this game, what Vancouver was 14-2-2 and ever since they returned home from Utah last year at BC Place. 14 out of 18 games in Vancouver have been victories. So you're going up against a team that's also struggling in form, that isn't, you know, the top of the table teams that Vancouver's been playing for the majority of the season. Even if it was a track meet and, you know, they had that chance right at the end of Cavallini, this is two points dropped to me. You know, it wasn't a great game entertainment-wise for the first 45. It wasn't great tactical-wise and, you know, the structure of the game for the second 45. I think, if anything, Vanny Sartini would rather have a nil-nil result than a 3-3 because you're giving up three goals that maybe, you know, you could have sharpened up a little bit to not put any words in anyone's mouth or anything. But I don't know. I, I think all things said and done, San Jose's a weaker opponent. Vancouver start, start, got to start getting points. They had a good win against Toronto. They had a win that they needed to get against uh, Valor midweek to get that CPL monkey off their back. And I think if they could have made it three out of three, everyone would have been very happy for this week. But drop in, I, I look at it, drop two points and you know move on to next week. You've got seven out of nine points going across the CPL and the, the MLS here. But it, it, it's, this, these are the sorts of games that if Vancouver want to get out of the bottom of the basement, because they're not only... Did they not catch up to San Jose? Or not only did San Jose not pull away, but they didn't gain any ground back on them. So they're sitting right where they started this match day with other teams around them doing rather well today. Yeah, I think for, for me, that's where I would say too, is right now the Quakes were able to hold off Vancouver, taking three points and uh, catching up to them in the table. And for now, we'll stay ahead of Vancouver in the standings. Ben, help everybody out. I don't have a card for you to be able to show. So how can people uh, follow you uh, and uh, know more about your coverage uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps? So you can follow me on Twitter at Rigetti Ben. It's last name, first name, if you can see it on the screen right there, Rigetti Ben on Twitter. I'm also part of the, I'm one half of the 90 plus podcast, Jamie, and I'm not sure you got to meet the bad person for the, for the first time today up in the, the, the press box there, but uh, 90 plus podcast covering everything Vancouver Whitecaps do a bit of Canadian national team too obviously a very exciting time for that right now uh, I also work in the, the AHL the American Hockey League in the Abbotsford Canucks uh, lots of times we're up against the San Jose Barracuda so if you want to go you know if you're following the Barracuda I'm just going to throw this out there go follow the Abbotsford Canucks you know who's behind the social media of all that you're looking at them but yeah no AHL MLS we're doing it all up here it's a fun time Carlos, I'm going to pull yours up here very quickly. Uh, how else uh, can people catch your coverage? Well, obviously, we're on Telemundo 48 in the Bay Area. You live in the Bay Area, um, and you like coverage in Spanish. We're the only, in Telemundo 48, we're the only channel that covers all the teams in Spanish. The San Jose Earthquakes, obviously, where the house of San Jose Earthquakes, we're actually currently having the Oakland Roots on air on Teleexitos uh, right now. All the, all the youth programs from all of them, Earthquakes 2, the Academy, uh, Project 510, Bay Cities FC, and then 
of course, we also have the Niners, the Warriors, and, and all the baseball in the area. Excellent uh, coverage from Carlos. And Carlos, I really appreciate you uh, and Ben, uh, both of you guys, uh, coming on the show, uh, doing me a solid today and helping us uh, be able to deliver uh, for the fans. Uh, and as fans, as always, uh, we got some picking up some new patrons this week. Thank you so much. A lot of, uh, I think, people excited about the Open Cup win and uh, had some people drop in. you can find out all about the different tiers and what you get for that at quicksupcenter.com. The most important thing is that uh, if you enjoy our independent coverage of the San Jose earthquakes and being able to come on you on here after every game and give you our opinion, we've got some great content coming for you. Uh, uh, I'm going to announce more about it in the coming days, but it's able to do three interviews from the team hotel this morning and some brand new stuff that's going to, to come onto the YouTube channel. So you're going to want to like and subscribe and also turn on the notifications so you'll know when those videos hit. So we've, we're over 600 uh, subscribers now and just help us keep going. Again, Carlos, Ben, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. And uh, fans, we will talk to you again uh, coming up here very quickly as the earthquakes are going to come into a very congested part of the schedule. And we'll be doing a lot of these shows after every post game, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again soon, Carlos and Ben. Maybe uh, when the, the Quicks and Whitecaps meet again, we will have you back on. So we'll talk then. Take care, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, fans, for joining. Have a good evening.